Nothing's bad. Nothing's it's bad. just some just some right. dot points. Oh, double sided. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello guys, welcome back to Do You Get What I Mean with Sam and Or. Today we are joined by our best friend, Taylor. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, Taylor, just, I guess, tell us about yourself and what you do. Oh God, where do I begin? My name's Taylor Ford. Yes. I'm 22 years young and I'm a law student and I know these ladies from high school. He's about to be, well, not about to be, but like he's going to be prime minister one day. So oh, like, all right, all he right. was voted most likely to be prime minister in year twelve. He is trying to going to be prime minister. Oh, I'm trying to read there. his notes. Okay, no, I can't. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to like sneakily read this man's notes. Also, like our first episode, we have a PowerPoint presentation prepared. So what you can't see is that there is a screen in front of us connected to Taylor's computer. So we're pretty much being educated along with you. Yeah. Don't expect too much. Don't expect Well, look, I'm expecting too much <laughs> already. Oh, first of all, how was your week? Right. We, Sam and I were literally saying this yesterday. We were like, we've got to remember to do that. <laughs> okay. You know, good. I got my uni results back. Did, you know, good. passed. Yeah. Good. Passed. Good. Same. And no, I got mine back last. I don't know. It was, I was last good. week. But yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What, what did you get up to, Taylor? Well, it's you only were baking. Ch- it, yeah, well, it's only Tuesday, so I haven't been up too much yet. <laughs> from, from last Tuesday. Oh, yeah. what have I been? I've just been like, well, you know, I'm, we're all on summer break now from yeah. uni, so I've just been like... Have you got your Christmas tree up? Do you do big Christmas, do Christmas decorations? Tree. No, we're an anti-Christmas oh, family. We're, we believe in the Grinch. Um, <laughs> That's a vibe. But yeah. do, do you like watch The Grinch or that, anything? That is like, yeah. my favourite Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. The only Christmas movie I enjoy. But yeah, I've just been like... Watching TV, yeah. movies, yeah. reading. Reading. That's, don't sound so surprised. Audio I know books. how to read. Yeah. <laughs> or reading. Reading. What have you been well, not reading? Books, not books. I've been working on a little pet project for uni, so I have to. Be, I've been reading lots of cases and. Oh, and is it something that you're going to share with us at a later oh, date? Oh, it's not that exciting. Okay. Okay. I've been like working on an article to hopefully get published. Oh, that's but, so exciting! Yeah. You have to send it to us. Oh, I don't think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know my interests. <laughs> So, what are we talking about today, Taylor? So, well, uh, originally I was going to talk to you about the Constitution. And I was so excited. <laughs> but for the sake of the listeners, I thought maybe I don't want the, you know, mm. their first introduction to me to be the dry topic of our glorious Constitution. The Constitution can just be like a chat that we have yeah. later, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, when, say, when she says we, she means like her and she her mean, mom, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam doesn't want to be a part of that. So I thought, like, constitution, a word that begins with C. Mm, let's, <laughs> let's talk about cannibalism. And more specifically, let's okay. talk about this English case from the late 19th century called The Crown Against Dudley and Stevens. Now, this is a really interesting case for a few reasons. One, it's about cannibalism, <laughs> yeah. which is always just interesting. But it's cannibalism where you're sort of sympathetic to the perpetrators. Oh, the cannibals. Yeah, the cannibals. So we'll get to that. Okay. But this was a very famous case. It's still taught today. It's still good law. Like I did a citation search before, like the other day for this case, and it's still being Mm. cited in Australian cases. 
Oh, oh um, so, so this has um, like reverence to Australia yeah, as well. There's actually an, a factual link as well to Australia, which Ooh, I'll factual. which I'll mention later. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but the like the big thing about this case is all the ethical questions it okay. raises, and it's like inspired um, like various like philosophers yeah. and their commentary. Uh, which is how I got introduced to this yeah. case. We looked at it very briefly in my legal theory and ethics unit at uni. Okay. But anyway, let's get started. So let me paint the picture for you ladies. Oh, do it. There's this yacht called the Mignonette, okay. right? She was built in 1867. Mm-hmm. Not very large, only about 16 metres long, designed for sort of small voyages not too far offshore. Okay. Not meant to be sailing around the world or any of that nonsense, okay. right? This yacht was purchased by an Aussie lawyer. Ah. Named Mr. Jack Want. He sounds Australian. You yes. know when you hear a name and you're yeah. like, yeah, he's Australian. So it was purchased in 1883 on the Isle of Wight. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact about Mr. Want. Okay. He later became the Attorney General of New South Wales. Okay. Oh, so this had this didn't affect him. So it's not no, about him. It's not okay. about him. It's not about okay. him. Okay. Uh, but he bought this yacht, and the only like feasible way to get it to Australia, where he lived was to have it sailed, yeah. which is a long journey. It's 24,000... Yeah, 000, and it's a small boat. Yeah, yeah. 24,000 kilometres. So he had a really difficult time finding a crew yeah. because no one... It was a, you know, a dangerous journey. Yeah. But he eventually managed to recruit four men. So Tom Dudley, Edwin Stevens, Edmund Brooks, and Richard Parker. Now, Dudley, Stevens, and Brooks were in their 30s, um, and they were had some experience sailing... But Richard Parker was only 17. I'm starting to get the vibes of this. <laughs> I'm starting to, <laughs> starting to paint the picture. Yeah, I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah. He was... I'm not. I'm <laughs> just going along with it. So Parker was 17. He was an orphan. Okay. And he had very little sailing experience. Okay. Um, anyway, this yacht set sail from uh, Southampton on the 19th of May in 1884. And originally the journey was going fine. Um, but then comes the 5th of July, 1884, and they're about two and a half thousand kilometers away from the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. So they're in the middle of the South Atlantic. They experience gale force winds, they, and then they're hit with this massive wave. Yeah. And the yacht's like, no ma'am. And she, cr- <laughs> and she starts crumbling. She starts crumbling. Doesn't that terrify anybody else? Because that's my fear, to be at sea yeah. when there's a storm and just to be, yeah. like, fucking Mm-mm. yeeted by a wave. I also would just like to interject and say that on the PowerPoint there are some cute little <laughs> clip arts um, of a little rowboat, and then there's a shark with a smiley face. We'll get to the we'll get to her later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, oh god, okay. okay. She's, okay. A, she's a character. Okay. <laughs> Does she have a name? Uh, we can make one. Okay, up. we can make okay. one. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's the the yacht is starting to sink, so the captain Dudley. Mm-hmm. Um, he orders the lifeboat to be lowered. Now, this lifeboat... Oh, God, okay. You thought the yacht was shit. This lifeboat <laughs> wasn't too flash. She mm. was only four metres long. She was flimsy and she was built with quite thin uh, wooden yeah. boards. Yeah. And in the rushes, they're trying to, like, get her into the water. Yeah. They puncture a hole in it. Fucking Not weekend. a devastating hole, but there's a hole. Yeah. Um... And if you're in the middle of the ocean, a hole probably... Yeah, probably not ideal. <laughs> not great. Uh, so in the five minutes they have to quickly jump yeah. in a lifeboat, they manage to gather a few supplies, just some navigation yeah. equipment and two tins of turnips. Oh, turnips, yeah. They, man- they don't have time to grab any yeah. water. Um, and remembering at this point, they are 1,100 kilometres away from the nearest land. Yeah. 
Tristan de Kuna. Have you ever heard of Tristan no. de Kuna? It is the most isolated archipelago in the world. Oh, nice. Almost. Fun fact. Yeah. It only has a population of 300. Oh. So there you go. And at that point in 1884. Yeah. Yeah. You may and, as well be on the moon. Did you mention <laughs> South Africa before? Like, I don't yeah. know what South Africa's vibes were. In 1884, but I can't yeah. expect it was a bustling. No, no, yeah. certainly not. Um, so they're on this lifeboat. In the first night, they have to fight off a shark with an oar. <laughs> hence, hence, ah, the little shark. Hence the clipper. So obviously, there's it's a terrible situation. Yeah. The first tin of turnips gets opened on the 7th of July, and that's yeah. eaten over two days. The 9th of July, they manage to catch a turtle oh. um, and they eat it and drink it. Oh, they try to drink its blood, sorry. But oh. as they're capturing, like, as they're, like, gathering the blood, it gets contaminated with seawater. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and they're like, we, we can't drink it. Doesn't that shit make you crazy? Do you we'll get to do that. Do people drink oh. blood for thirst? I mean, because if you don't have anything else. Because water in it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And oh. because I, like, I have always heard that seawater will fuck you up if yeah. you drink it. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you have to, like. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I know the seawater, but I just was, I was surprised by the blood. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess if it's when in Rome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, like, so are they just still floating? Are they trying to like fucking? Like, I mean, like they... row? Are... Yes, but like, how far can you? Yeah, row? exactly. You know, four hungry yeah. men with like two yeah. oars, you know, on a little shitty yeah. um, rowboat. Um. So they eat this turtle and they feed off of it for the next few days, and by the seventeenth of July, um, they've run out of turtle and they've also run out of their second tin yeah. of turnips. So now they're foodless yeah. and waterless. Um, and they try to catch rainwater. It doesn't mm. work, so they start to drink their own urine. Right. Okay. At this point, things start to turn sour. So on the 16th of July, they start to debate whether they should draw lots and one of them should sacrifice themselves so the others can survive. So mm. one of them would die so the yeah. others could eat and eat their flesh and drink oh, their blood yeah. to survive. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really go down very well between the men. No. They, they really don't reach any resolution. Um, on the 20th of July, so four days after that, uh, Parker and Stevens start to get quite sick. They experimented yeah. with drinking seawater, and you, as you said, that shit is not good. Yeah. By the 24th of July, approximately, Parker, the, the young yeah. boat hand... He is in a really bad state at this point, and he's probably comatose. Um, Dudley again brings up the idea of drawing lots to select a sacrificial (laughs) victim. Or the one that's in the coma, like, let's go. Hey, hey, Parker, should we draw lots? Obviously, he's not responding (laughs) because he's in the coma. And so they're like, oh, no, he's nodding. He's nodding. (laughs) Say say no if you disapprove. (laughs) Um, Brooks, so the... Uh, one of the other men yeah. is flatly against it at yeah. this point. He says, "No, ma'am, we don't. Yeah. We don't. No, want, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, no, ma'am. <laughs> no, Dudley. We don't want any of that." Um, but Dudley and Stevens discuss it between themselves, and they say, "Okay, if we don't get rescued by the morning, yeah, we're making a move." Yeah. The next morning comes, twenty-five July, and Dudley and Stevens sort of give each other the eh, eh, yeah, eh, the, the little the, wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge, um, and they decide that Parker's going to be killed. 
Okay. No. Yeah. What's the other dude doing? Well, there's sort of conflicting accounts yeah. about Brooks. Um, Brooks has always said that he stayed mum. He yeah. he like didn't assent or dissent. Yeah. He just sort of sat there and did nothing. Yeah. But um, Dudley has always, well, I say has always claimed he's long dead now. Yeah. No, no, he's still <laughs> chilling. He's he here. claimed at the time that Brooks always agreed. So okay. it's neither here nor yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, Stevens goes and grabs Parker's legs to secure them yeah. in case he tries to resist or anything and Dudley comes up behind Parker with a pen knife and stabs Ooh, him with a jugular. Knife. At least it was like in the neck. Just yeah. Right and at least he was comatosed by no. a kid. Oh no, okay. Oh no. There's some suggestion that Parker at this point sort of woke up from his delirious state yeah. and said, What? Me? <gasps> yeah. Oh no, because he was only 17. Orphan, oh. yeah. Well, oh. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I know. So he dead. Yeah. Dudley, Stevens, and Brooks oh. feed on his flesh, yeah. drink his blood. Yeah. Um, they also have a bit more luck catching rainwater, so they're able to drink. Twenty nine July comes, so four days after uh, the murder of Parker, and they get rescued by a German Can ship. You imagine that conversation. Can we just have a like a like that's only four days later. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they like. I mean, they might have died. They yeah, might have died in that four possibly, days. Yeah. But if they're having more like catching rainwater, <laughs> yeah, I know it's. But Parker yeah. might have been dead. Dead. Yeah, there's a good chance he mm. would have died, Parker. Yeah, but can you imagine like the Germans rocking up and there's this like half-eaten dead body? What's that? Isn't there like kind of that running gag about the German cannibals and? Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe it's not a gag. Save but... that for next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm like getting this wrong but in an episode of the it crowd there was like a german cannibal and everyone was like oh yeah the german cannibal and then on big mouth there was also reference to the german girls who were cannibals and, oh yes is there like, a cannibal in teen wolf a german nazi cannibal why can someone like please let us know why like why germans are maybe it was a did like a eat people rumor i don't know like what <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah maybe it was like one yeah. of those like, yeah. like in the camps yeah about a month goes by after they get rescued by this mm. German ship and they finally get returned yeah. to Cornwall, to okay. England. At this point, I thought we would have an intermission and we would discuss what you think so far. No, what do but you that's think of fair their... because that's a lot to deal with. Yeah. What do you think uh, of their actions? Okay, do you know when, when they were f- where they were found bobbing along in the ocean? Like... Middle of the South Atlantic. Okay, so yeah. they're still, yeah. Yeah, still middle of nowhere. Like it's... I have no idea how yeah. they managed to flag down that German ship, but I think it's a bit difficult because um, it's just accounts. So say yeah. say if Parker was you know done, yeah, he was on the brink of death, then yeah, I can see their reasonings because at that point you would never think you're going to be rescued. You're in the yeah. middle of the ocean. What are you going to do? Like, but then why would you even eat the dude if you never think that you're going to be rescued? Wouldn't you just be like, oh, fucking, like, eat yeah, it, time, like, gonna, yeah. yeah. Increase your chances. Yes, and I think um, humans, especially in that state when they're starving and delirious mm. from water, you're going to do anything to save yeah. yourself. Yeah, I mean, humans have a really strong... Yeah, survival instinct. Yeah, so... I mean, fucked. So <laughs> it's a no from me, but... So at this point, you think, what do you think should happen to these men, though? Dudley and Stevens and Brooks. Well, I mean, they still killed someone. 
Yes. And I know, and like obviously there's I guess extenuating circumstances, but and especially if he was like, "What me?" Then I'm just like, D- that's "Yeah, d- but that's an em- that's an emotional reasoning." I am an emotional person, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean. If we're going by just like the straight facts and the law, then they killed someone, and uh, you know that's still murder. So yeah. I guess they're going to be charged for murder. Maybe, maybe we'll see. We yeah, see. but I think there's also cases now. I can't. I would not be able to quote any of them. But cases now where someone killed someone, but there are other mm. circumstances. Mm. I don't know if they would be so sympathetic about it in the 1800s. Well, well were they? Yeah, were they well, quite sympathetic? We'll, we'll get okay. into that. We'll get into that. So shall we continue? Okay, yeah. let's go. So upon their arrival. Um, to uh, England. I love that you found photo references. So he's got <laughs> photos of the the judges. I assume. We'll, yeah, I'll okay. introduce these gentlemen in a minute. So um, they all give statements, and they're very candid. They don't yeah. bullshit anyone. Yeah. They're like, "Yeah, we were hungry." Um, and at this point, there's a bit of like to and fro between all the government departments because okay. they're like, "What do we do about this?" <laughs> they're like, like, "What the fuck." Like, they're not sure what to do. And there's, like, the local police are involved, yeah. the home office is involved, yeah. the board of trade is involved, and there's, like, umming and erring as to whether these men should be charged or detained or, what you know, whatever. Mm. But um, they eventually get arrested uh, and granted bail. Mm-hmm. Um, and the home secretary, Sir William Harcourt, who is on the left of my PowerPoint. What a fine beard. <laughs> what, a, what, a fine, what fine mutton chops. Um, he decides that these men are going to be prosecuted. Okay. Um one of the motivators for him was 10 years prior to this incident there was a very similar incident that took place called it's called the james archer case but in that case there wasn't any prosecution okay the prosecution didn't go through so mr harcourt here he really wanted to bring this case not only to punish these men but also to clarify this area of the law he wanted he wanted the court to deal with it so that this legal question about you know survival cannibalism could be put to rest yeah and at this point, the community is very divided. Right. But it seems that most of them supported the men. Okay. At this stage, but that will change later. Um, and Mr. Harcourt was not happy with the community support these men oh. were getting. And did he did he launch a smear campaign? Well, that just like motivated him even more to prosecute the yeah. fuck out of these men. Um, on the eighteenth of September, uh, Brooks is discharged. He gets set free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's just Dudley and Stevens are uh, committed for trial. Um, and the trial began on the 3rd of November, presided over by Baron Huddleston, who was on the right of at my PowerPoint. Very handsome, dapper fellow. The, the wig. It's the wig for me. <laughs> um, and of course, Dudley and Stevens plead not guilty. Uh, the main question really at trial, there were like procedural issues, there were evidence issues yeah. about it, um, but the main question was whether in English common law there's a necessity defence. So if you commit a crime out of necessity for yeah. the preservation of your own life, should you be absolved of criminal liability? Now, of course, there's like self-defence. Yeah. That's well That was well established at this point, but this wasn't a case of self-defence because no. they had no immediate threat to their yeah. life. Um, and Mr... Huddleston over there, Baron Huddleston, he was very sceptical of this necessity defence and he wanted to nail these men to, oh, to clarify okay. this area of the law. Just like... Um, I just think you said nail these men. <laughs> just look, yeah. yeah. In no, that wig. He wanted to nail yeah. them in that wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and anyway, the trial goes through, uh, goes through its processes and at the end of the trial, Baron Huddleston goes to the jury and he says, look, I'm going to give you a choice. Either I'm directing you to deliver a guilty verdict 
or I'm going to direct, or you can give a, uh, sorry, or you can give a special verdict. Now, a special verdict is very rare. It's where rather than the jury saying guilty, not guilty, the jury gives a statement of facts that they agree to. They say, okay, this is what we find we found happened, but we're going to defer the question of whether these men should be found guilty or not guilty to the judge. Okay. So uh, to resolve as a legal question. And that's, well, that's what the jury here did, even though they were pressured by Baron Oh, Hostel. okay. There was a bit of unethical judicial conduct going on But anyway... Um, men. Yeah, they agreed to the statement of facts, which is pretty much undisputed. Yeah. Most of it was agreed to. Um, and this question of whether the men should be found guilty or not guilty was referred to a panel of judges in the Queen's Bench Divisional Court. So they heard are submissions... Us, are you going to give us an accent? Not just yet. Okay. Not just okay, yet. Okay. <laughs> so on the 4th of December, um, they hear submissions, this panel of judges, and they announce that they're going to affirm the convictions. They're going to find these men guilty. Okay. So five days later, they deliver their reasons, um, and immediately they hold that there's no necessity defense because it lacked precedent and there were you know, a whole host of ethical questions. Yeah. Uh, the judgment was written by Lord Coleridge, uh, Chief Justice Lord Coleridge, and I have a few quotes extracted okay. for you on oh, the oh, PowerPoint. Oh. Now, there are a few interesting bits in the judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes a comment on the relationship between law and morality, which is very sort of relevant to sort of legal theory yeah. and the development of legal theory. He says, I'm not going to do it. Oh, in the next God time. damn it. Okay. He says, uh, though law and morality are not the same and many things may be immoral, which are not necessarily illegal, yet the absolute divorce of law from morality would be of fatal consequence. And such divorce would follow if the temptation to murder in this case were to be held in absolute defense to it. So he's importing, yeah. So he's importing moral considerations yeah. and saying, okay, these men, we can't excuse this. Yeah. For How do you feel about questions. that? Because I feel like you would have a lot of thoughts about that. <sighs> I, look, if we were in their position. Mm. I think we would all want to preserve our own lives. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, except it would be me who was fucking comatose because yeah. I'm the weakest. Yeah. You, you would be. <laughs> I would be the one you know getting what? the fucking pen knife You're to the neck. Probably right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Whilst you were still alive, I'd be seasoning you up, giving you some salt and pepper rub. You know, maybe giving you a bit oh. of marinade. You know. <laughs> it, it wouldn't have to be like even two weeks into the journey. Ten minutes on that lifeboat, I'd be giving you the look. <laughs> I'm never stepping. <laughs> I'm never stepping onto a boat with you two. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I reckon Caitlin would agree, but she'd be too too emotional. She would. Attached. She would yeah. be Brooks. She would be like, yeah, "Well, I'm be. not gonna." <laughs> yeah, would she fun? wouldn't. Yeah, she wouldn't participate. But she would chow down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Brooks, Why am I Parker? <laughs> the thing about Brooks, he was the one that allegedly ate the most of Parker, even though he oh. didn't participate. So, yeah. Um. So in this judgment, which is actually quite brief, given how um, like, complicated know, yeah. and like serious the questions raised in it, the case are, um, ultimately they decide there's no necessity defense. And there's some interesting comments as well about whether there's a legally protected duty on people to protect their own lives. Oh, and, so like a legal right. Yeah. And what Chief Justice Lord Coleridge says is no. Yeah. So he says, to preserve one's life is generally speaking a duty, but it may be the plainest and the highest duty to sacrifice it. War is full of instances in which it is a man's duty not to live, but to die. It's a bit 
Yeah. So he was like, these motherfuckers should have just died. Yeah, and he gives examples. Like, he says, well, in, like, a shipwreck, for example, a captain has a duty to his crew to to sacrifice himself. Mm. The crew has a duty to the passengers. The the soldiers have a duty to the women and children, mm. so forth. Um, and he says, you know, sometimes the most important duty is to sacrifice yourself. And saying that, like, even though the, the court is quite critical of yeah. the men, they are actually quite sympathetic as well. But um, I feel like in this case, like, with the war, war and stuff, in what, how they're saying it, is that you're sacrificing it for the, the people. But who are they sacrificing their lives for? Parker mm. would have died anyway. I think, does he kind of just mean, like, the greater good of, you know, like, morality? Isn't he yeah. like, oh, you, you should have just fucking died? Yeah. But also, they didn't know, like, even though they got rescued four days after the murder, they had no idea mm-hmm. that they were going to be rescued or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, the judges are quite sympathetic to the men, and even though they hold that there's no defence available to them... Um, Lord Chief Justice Coleridge says, we are often compelled to set up standards we cannot reach ourselves and to lay down rules which we could not ourselves satisfy. So he's saying, look, if we are if we were in the same mm. situation as these men... <laughs> Taylor's giving me a real look right now. We, we Steak knife's just... coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one extra thing in the judgment which I found funny, mm. and I think you'll appreciate okay, this Okay, more. okay, tell me. Um, as they're discussing... There's really no legal precedent for any of this. So they discuss some, like, legal texts by, like, major English jurists. And they also discuss um, some ancient Greek and Roman authors. Well, Lord Chief Justice Coleridge doesn't like these (laughs) Greek and Roman authors. He discusses, like... vagabonds. Yeah, he discusses, like, Cicero and Euripides. And he... Because in their writings about the law, they suggest that perhaps there is a necessity defence that would be available... But um, Lord Chief Justice Coleridge describes these Greek and Roman authors as espousing heathen ethics. Oh, yeah, so oh I love it. So I now, love it. <laughs> so I thought you'd, you'd find that funny. Um, but anyway, these men obviously get found guilty. They get sentenced to death. Um, but there's a recommendation for them to be granted mercy. Yeah. Uh, following their convictions, pub, the public sort of turn on the men because now they've been sentenced yeah. to death so now they want to see their heads on spikes but the like home... literally <laughs> yeah. what a time yeah but the home secretary uh sir william harcourt yeah um he decides that the men should have their sentences commuted to six yeah. months prison okay so on the uh 20th of may 1885 the men get released um, and they get set free and they go about their lives. Wait, so instead of being sentenced to death, they, they got just their sentences get six commuted. Months. Yeah. Well, they were sent- they were sentenced to death, but they had their sentence commuted to six months. Yeah. Okay. Which means that, like that sentence difference. got like yeah. thrown out. So like, the royal prerogative of mercy. So they Quite were granted a mercy. Yes. Yeah. Um, another. This is a well. That's the end of the case. But I want to know what but, happened. Yeah, what happened after? Because the public hated them. Like, could they just go about their own? They went about lives? their lives. Yep. They lived decent lives and they, yeah, they went about it. Actually, Richard Parker's, I think it was Richard Parker's brother. Mm. I think it was his brother. Um, he was actually quite sympathetic to them yeah. and he supported them publicly because oh. um, he thought, well, yeah, if we were in this situation, yeah. um, we would do the same thing. Yeah. And they didn't, Parker was the weakest link. Like yeah. that was their reasoning. Mostly. Yeah. It's, it's a bit gruesome. But um, another really interesting fact, this is a, a bit of a conspiracy theory. Oh, go ahead. So, you know Edgar Allan Poe? Yeah. I d- 
you look at her. I also do. Thank you. <laughs> you also know people. Yeah, but I'm the one with the with the literature degree. Thank you. Yes. So he only wrote one novel, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, throughout his life, called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Now, this was published in 1838, so about 50 years before all this mm-hmm. took place. In that book, there's a character named Richard Parker. And do you know what happens to Richard Parker in Edgar Allan Poe's novel? Oh, no. He gets cannibalised by the survivors of a shipwreck. <gasps> I'm convinced that these people did it on purpose. That's it. You've changed my whole opinion. I I'm know. convinced. I'm convinced that they went about just a... How fucking crazy is that? That's weird. I am convinced. I mean, Richard Parker is a very common English name. So, like, but there's like, that. But not in these, in these circumstances. I feel like, say, if something... Ha- like, I don't know. A premonition of yeah. you see someone at the supermarket. That's all I can think of. But then a premonition of someone dying, getting cannibalised yeah. on a ship. Right? I'm convinced specific. that Dudley and Brooks and Stevens were like, Oi, like we really like this book. Like, <laughs> let's go act it out. Let's go find an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after like reading this case, someone, I was sort of curious as to what the current law is in Australia, specifically in WA. Yeah. Like, what's the law re- relating to cannibalism and what would happen to these men if they were put on trial today? Yeah. Um, well, today in our criminal code, we have an emergency defence, which is sort of an equivalent to a necessity defence, which would, I think, absolve the men of criminal liability. Yeah. They would not be found guilty of murder. Um, then I was thinking, oh, what about cannibalism in general? Is that actually an offence? Um, there's no specific cannibalism offence in our criminal code, but it's sort of constructively criminalised. I want you to watch this episode of Rake because <laughs> it it like literally deals with cannibalism. This yeah. guy just eats someone, and then he's he's not found guilty of cannibalism because there's no law against yeah. it. But he's found guilty of you know improper disposal of corpse. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's one of them. In section two hundred and fourteen of the criminal code, mm. there's um, an offence improperly or indecently interfering with a corpse. Yeah. And then, of course, there's murder yeah. and grievous bodily harm and wounding yeah. and stuff, which would, you know... Would probably put the person in jail. If, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's cannibalism for you. Very interesting. Yeah, no, I I was very... As soon as you said, like, relating it to WA, I was like, I wonder what goes on here. Like, oh, I, I, know, I heard I somewhere that there was no, like, you know, specific mm. law to it. But, yeah, like you said... You just go down for murder. Yeah. Or something. Depends where you got it. So yeah, that's a wrap on You Get What I Mean. Thanks, Taylor. For... That was fucked. Thank you for having me. This is fun. You're going to be on the next episode, but like... <laughs> <laughs> well, we were... <laughs> yeah. We were talking about how... Um, I don't. I, to- I told you this, how in the future we want to do maybe a filming of it. And we'll Ooh. have Taylor and Kate yes. as well. So we can all... Join we can in. all be a part of it. We can all... On the podcast, we'll have oh. better microphones and a whole setup. But, yeah, speaking of conspiracy theories before, we plan on doing an episode on those. But not next. Next up on the podcast, we'll be delving into... Hauntings. Hauntings. And, or, you know, our own experiences. Maybe, like, a one or two famous cases of yeah. hauntings. We'll be starting out with my house. Because Sam's house is But we'll get into that next up. But yeah, thanks for joining. And we stay here regularly. (laughs) Sorry, just need to put that in here. We willingly stay here. We do. But yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you, Taylor. We love you. Thank you, ladies.